0: If you publish this, you know, we're going to sue you. But at the time, it was the right thing to do. We are spending something like £23 billion a year on domestic violence. And that's not why I attracted troubling relationships. Eventually, I think I got to the point where I'd lost my daughter... Um, when she was taken from me, and I was so desperate to find her. I had meningococcal septicemia, and I went into hospital because of the complications. My head had taken a lot of trauma as a child. You, you can't leave those kids, you've got to get out of hospital. If you survive this, then you make a pact that you are going to help other people. So, I, st- I still can't talk about that.
1: Welcome to Inspired By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story, and they have stories that they haven't yet told, not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Amanda Hart, welcome to the Inspired By Show.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So good having you here. Thank you so much for traveling all the way to London to into our studio in Chelsea to come here in quite a cold, cold, cold month. Let's be honest, having yeah. to leave the house. So it's good to have you here. Now, Amanda, obviously, I know you quite well. We've published your recently published book. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know you, I'd love to maybe start with your journey. And actually, more importantly, why and where you've come from in terms of your inspiration and your intuitive
0: journey? Oh gosh, that's a big question, isn't it? Mm. Um, well, I, I guess I—it um, was ingrained in me. I guess as a child to survive um, came from a, a very tough upbringing, and um, and and I think my intuitive faculty developed more so because I spent a lot of time in nature. Being, you know, mm. ousted out into the garden a lot, um, around uh, animals. So um, there was a lot of unconditional love, but not a lot with the, you know, the, the humans around me. Mm. Um, so I developed this intuitive faculty, which then I called on later on as an adult when I was going through some really really tough times, and then because I was going through a lot of change, people asked me, well, if you can do that for yourself, can you help me? And so my my designated path was to be a, an interior designer. And I ended up going down this particular route just because something clicked. I think it just made me realize that there is more to the world than just making money. It's more about well, what can I do to leave a legacy? And that's kind of what inspired me, really. Wow. I love that. Now, you know, you touched on some of your journey and we are going to definitely talk about some of your background as to
1: why why you are here today and what you're so passionate about. But you're very intuitive. And that's something that I've learned from working with you for months now. Where did you start tuning into this intuition? Has it always been a part of your life or is it something that you've recently sort of established?
0: Yeah. um, Well, it, it was very natural to me as a child. And looking back, I, I remember cousins and you know, family members saying to me, oh, don't you remember you used to go and uh, go and talk to Nan's neighbours and tell them all sorts of things about their life? And and how could you have known you were only six at the time? And, and I don't really recall that much. But um, as I was looking for answers to certain really challenging situations as an adult the answers came to me in really bizarre ways you know messages that would just come out of nowhere and i started to get very intrigued by that i think that's because i've got this um skeptical mindset which is well you know it could be right but i need some more clarification mm. so i dug a lot deeper and that's how I found a lot of the answers to what was happening for me. So it's kind of a bit of a role reversal. Mm. I discovered it first and then I started getting the clarification, which was really um, what I needed. And and then I had to build the faith, the confidence to use it. That's the thing, you know, if you can do it for yourself, it's great. You know, nobody's looking at you. But when you're mm. doing it for other people, you've got a responsibility on your hands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of
1: curious because... For me, I always look from the outside. I am quite intuitive, but if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, I would have gone, nah, that, none of that spiritual rubbish, like none of that really works, you know, because I come from a very skeptical background and parents are both very skeptical to it as well. Mm. But I used to always have this belief that, you know, you're either spiritual, intuitive, or you're logical yeah. and skeptical. And there was never really like a bridge between the two, but it sounds to me like you're, you've kind of been intuitive and brought the spirituality and the skepticism into it.
0: I I think uh, I, that may be because I come from um a background where my my father was a, a self-made billionaire. He was a, a born entrepreneur, so he was constantly looking at how he could craft his or you know hone in on his skills. And my mother was a very successful businesswoman. And so they came from a very logical um mindset. So I I you know that was my I guess my you know my preset. Um but because I had such a strong influence with the, um, you know, the, the the intuition, that kind of overro- overrode all of that. When I couldn't draw on anything else, so I, there was nothing there logically that could show me answers, other than my intuition. And then I just had to trust and and uh, and go for it. Mm. And I want to talk a little bit after this about how you now
1: help other people using your intuition. But I kind of want to talk more about first. How this kind of gift came about. So, you talked about your childhood and obviously your dad being so successful. What was it like for you growing up? Because a lot of people think, well, if I'm born into money, that life's amazing, you know? And actually, you know, if I have a silver spoon in my mouth, I'll forever be fed. What was your experience like?
0: Yeah, it was a a real dichotomy, really. It was, um, on one hand, you know, we lived in this beautiful house, and my father was very, um, I guess he was so adventurous. He wanted to try everything, and he was so driven by money. And you know, he was exciting to be around on on one level, Um, but the other part of him was he was a tyrant. Um, I lived in a house which was um, two very volatile human beings: uh, my my stepmother and my father, um, who fought all the time, and it was. it, you know it, there wasn't a day that, that 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 wasn't the case um and i i i was in this volatility constantly and i had to survive that and i think the most important thing for me was that i still love these two human beings um even though i this my stepmother in particular was incredibly scary um i think i i had a very wise head on young shoulders and understood at some level she was still a mother. So because I had a a half brother who was very young um, and she couldn't cope. And I, I had this level of empathy about me as a young child, which was, well, I've got to take over. You're not grown up enough to do this. So somebody's got to look after your son. Somebody's got to look after this house. And I realized that I was starting to please adults more so when I took over the roles that they couldn't cope with and so i think that's one of the things that was was my i guess my uh, avenue into people pleasing um <laughs> wanting to do service um but it was yeah it was an incredibly challenging uh, upbringing and there wasn't a day where i thought you know i'm i might not be here that that was that was the case most days
1: wow mm. wow and when you say, you know, that you had to become the mum, if you will, or you had to become the adult,
0: mm.
1: what was happening in that world for you to feel like you had to step into that role?
0: Well, I realised that um, they they were both... Um antagonizing each other, I guess you could say. My father would come home and if the house wasn't clean, there wasn't food on the table, if there wasn't, you know, the paperwork done, then there would be an almighty row and there would be fighting and furniture thrown and punching and kicking and screaming. And um, and then we would hide. I would have to try to protect my siblings because, you know, in the end I had two other, um, uh, well, two sisters as well. So there were three younger children in the household, um, all witnessing this. So me, I I was the only one that actually got abused. Um, but I still felt that I had to protect them from the emotional and the mental abuse that was going on. So I would try to do anything to appease what was going on to try to, you know, stop most of the violence that was going on, which was Mm -hmm. never, it was just a, uh, I guess a, Just taking the edge off, it it never really did much, but at least I was doing something to help them. Wow. Mm. And thank you for being so honest and open with us because
1: I know sometimes talking about this sort of stuff isn't the easiest thing to talk about. And when we met, I, and you told me your story and we started working on your your book, Mm. your story is so inspiring because there are so many people out there that are struggling with, you know, any type of abuse really. And I think nowadays people are talking about it a little bit more, but previously wasn't really you know talked about especially when it was parental roles how did you kind of overcome that and what did you do in the moment to get through it
0: um i i think i've always I mean I still feel there is a stigma there's still quite a stigma especially when people judge and think it only happens to certain types of people and and why didn't you leave him you know you you knew that that this was coming and and I've still had it I still have it I still have it with my friends you know all oh, this time do you think you you know you'll 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 learn from this and it's it's very naive when people don't really understand the The level of uh, abuse out there, and uh, you know, I think in in this in the in this uh, in the UK alone, I think about two out of four women—maybe I've got that wrong. It might be one in four women um, suffer abuse at one point in their lifetime. So it's not something that's you know just for certain people. Um, and I think what I've tried to do is uh, rather than hide from it, which I did initially and didn't want to take ownership for it or didn't want to, I guess, share that with people um, because of the shame of it. Eventually, when I started to share it, I found that people were more accepting of me and what I do. uh, And then they could hold on to something and realize that they could actually make changes too. So I've, I've been very open with my work and what I talk about and how I share this because I feel that if we are more transparent in this world then that's how we shine that light on the darkest recesses in life where all this abuse mm. hangs out yeah and I think if we don't talk about it we're also adding fuel to the fire almost mm-hmm. you know if we if
1: we're too ashamed to, I've I've not experienced physical abuse but I've experienced mental and emotional abuse and I think when we are almost belittled to a point where we don't know if we can talk about it because there's that confidence piece isn't there there's yeah. that you know no one's gonna listen to me and everyone's gonna think I'm crazy and like you say, it makes sense. Why didn't you leave? Why did you put up with it? And I think actually those judgments make us stay smaller and stay quieter.
0: They do. When I, um, as a young adult, I didn't understand. I I thought because I'd left my home and I was free at last after 14 odd years, I I would have a, a fantastic life. But I went from one disastrous relationship after another. And I couldn 't understand why why i wasn't getting the help. I just assumed that authority figures would help me, and it was very, very difficult in those days. so I also went through the the worst kind of challenges in in those scenarios in those those um coercively controlling relationships where I reached out for help and then I was told I was ridiculous or you know, well, we haven't got any evidence. What can we do about it? Well, you know, we, you, you just have to leave. You know, what else can we do? And it was that kind of attitude which made me feel um, not heard. So I guess in, in, in the end, it drove me to become a voice for those people who don't know. And it's, it's still, you know, even though there's so much more help out there, people do not know where to go, how to get the help and and how to start. Mm. And leaving is not just a one one, you know, stop shop. It's it is a process. And women can and men can go through years of rehabilitation and life change before they actually rid themselves of what attracted it in the first place. Mm. Now I just wanted
1: to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners and it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback and I love that you love it as much as we do. Now my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So i have a favor to ask can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message maybe there's a friend a loved one a colleague or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story if you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone then i'd really appreciate it so if you haven't already share this episode with a friend a loved one a colleague or someone that you know would benefit now back to the episode Yeah, that was something I'm really curious to ask you about, because obviously, Amanda, you've lived and breathed this yourself in in different areas of your life. And also you've seen other people and people have talked to you about their own journeys of abuse. I've heard a lot from my studies and my research that people when they've been in abusive cycle or relationship once, they tend to attract it again. Yeah. You know what's your thoughts on that, and what have you experienced of that?
0: Yeah, so uh, i'm I'm keen to help um with a project that I'm working on at the moment, which is to offer more of a holistic approach to support the much needed services that are out there at the moment but we are you know we're spending something like 23 billion pounds a year on domestic violence and that's the first responders and you know the 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 judiciary you've got the the health sector and you've got counseling etc but there's very little that is out there mainstream to help with breaking those patterns those those cycles of deprivation and that's because we we don't really talk about that enough you know they they talk about all the orthodox means you know the 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 logical means and the safety precautions but there's not really a lot out there to help people to overcome these challenges which are deeply embedded these traumas sit in the subconscious and I didn't ask to get involved in this it just naturally happened that I started gravitating towards clients who are asking for this kind of help and and they they you know this is how we're going to break the pattern so that they don't pass on to our children and that's how we stop these Cycles keep moving down through generation to generation. Mm, yeah. And do you know
1: what? One of the things I find fascinating about this, and Amanda, one of the reasons we're having this conversation was you've actively listened to the show and watched the show. And yeah. I, I remember once you messaged me and you were like, oh my gosh, that person you had on, your guest. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Yeah. And that's part of the reason we start talking and, and here we are now. And I think it's fascinating because a lot of people feel ashamed to talk about it. But what I've learned from running this show for as long as I have is Every, so many people have experienced it. You know, everyone's had some sort of challenge. It doesn't have to be abuse; it could be any sort of challenge. But a lot of it goes through the cycles. A lot of it goes through generations. You know, and and I find it really inspiring that you're not only talking about it, but you're also helping others through it. So, what what have been the things that you've sort of learned yourself coming out of it, and how did you break that cycle
0: yourself? Um, well, I'm nearly fifty-seven, and I think the the most of- the emphasis that I put in my work is because I'm very passionate about it, but also working in this environment, I'm still learning and I'm still processing and I'm still helping people because of my how I'm experiencing it myself, so I'll always be an experiencer and then I can translate that into how to help others um so i I guess there's there's always going to be for me for me personally a level of people trying to or level of um control because I've always attracted that I've attracted a lot of obsessives i've had um uh, harassment orders put out there so that i you know can stop stalkers and i've had that several times and it's just the energy that we give off and then, and then i i realize at a certain level that um, if we are empathetic or we are very open we can be vulnerable it's how we create those boundaries so i think what i have learned is saying no to bad behavior but setting those boundaries so that we don't go back into situations like that and also there are some fantastic um courses out there as well as as the um the counseling but um like the um the programs that uh women's aid put out there to help people to break free so that they understand about the red flags but i think most most of the stuff that's going on is subtle and we're not aware of it it's like wearing you know, putting on underwear in the morning, and you can't remember what color you've put on because of the clothes you're wearing during mm-hmm. the day. And that's the thing: if it's it's hidden, we can't see it, and we've got to be aware of it. And it's about healthy having healthy habits set in place, foundations, so that we don't cross those boundaries because that's our what we call our Achilles' heel. It's 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 our powerhouse. It's our, our super strength when we're open and loving and giving. But we can get taken advantage of if we allow people to Mm. cross those boundaries.
1: Mm.
0: How did you learn that that was a
1: boundary that people were crossing with you? Like, how did you suddenly realize... Oh my gosh, this is actually abuse, and I'm being abused at this point.
0: It's very subtle. And most people will say that with narcissism, uh, especially when we're in relationships where we are, you know, we we love that person and we just want the best for them. We we want, you know, we make excuses. Oh, it's okay. He's he's working hard, you know, he's stressed, you know, this has happened. Um, It's recognizing that something is challenging us and that either our physical health is out of alignment, our mental or emotional. Uh, uh, health is out of alignment or there's something spiritually that is blocked and it's stepping back from situations and saying to ourselves well what's going on for me is it my relationship or is there something else and more often than not it tends to be that when we have to question that that's because we have been compromising for too long and we've been overlooking that that which Mm -hmm. is staring us blatantly in the face, but we don't really want to face up to it because we know it's going to be tough. And mm. of course it's going to be tough. Um that's why we stay, that's why we keep on trying to make it better. Because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to make that person uncomfortable. Um, and most of the time people are appeasing the monster. So mm. why would we want to expose ourselves and make ourselves even more vulnerable? But there is a way. There is a very um, subtle way that we can actually start taking our power back, which disconnects us from the power that somebody else has over us until eventually we've built our power so much that we've just transitioned d- gently. We just mm. segued out of that and our life has suddenly transformed into something different. Wow. Yeah.
1: And I guess that, that feels amazing. It sounds amazing now, but I imagine for someone going through it, yeah. it's almost unbelievable, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember at one point when I was so afraid of going outside, I would crawl on my hands and knees. I would have the curtains closed. We used to have the police coming to the... to the. the I lived in a little flat in London then um, to protect myself and my grandmother. And we went through that for pretty much three years. It was absolutely terrifying. I wouldn't go out if I... If I did go out, then I got taxis. but then I used to get found. You know, it was just horrendous. So I just did anything I could to protect myself. But when you protect yourself, you live in fear. And if you live in fear, you attract more fear. And that's why that cycle of deprivation keeps playing out. When you start to take your power back, you start to find uh, subtle messages that tell you, uh, how to find the opportunities to to get out of these situations you attract the right people you you get the right support network and i i'm i'm aware of this at the moment because i'm talking to women who are going through very similar situations that i've been through and they said well how did you manage to find the help there and how did you get involved in that charity and how did this person manage to help you it's all down to your mindset it's not that you have to change your mindset completely because you're not Um, in alignment uh, in you know haven't got the right mental attitude it is literally about alignment Mm. and if you get yourself into the right alignment suddenly the signal it's like having your wi-fi uh, on properly if you haven't got your wi-fi on properly how on earth are you going to attract what you need Mm. so i think that's it this is all about alignment and when you're in alignment you get the help you need to to change your life Mm. i guess that's probably my next question then amanda what what was the breaking point for you then to when you
1: suddenly realized holy oh shit I'm not I'm not in alignment and I need to change this
0: um gosh that's a good question um so actually it was one one particular day it was before my birthday and I remember saying to myself tomorrow tomorrow I'm I'm giving myself this birthday present and that is that this year I want peace just want peace and I guess, in a way, I thought that peace would look like, you know, I had a picture in my mind. You know, that, that person would change, um, my situation would would would, uh, you know, evolve so that I would have more financial security, so that I would have feel as if I had more power. Um, I had no idea at the time how that would play out. I think because I'd made a pact with myself, and. I was also doing a lot of meditation. I I always did meditation. I teach meditation. But I was doing particular meditations that were going to change my mindset, really radical meditations day and night. And I I know because of the nature of the work that I do, that if I do this consistently, something's going to shift. And it did. Very subtly, it started over a period of months. I could start seeing outside external changes that Made me realize that something inside me was changing, and um, and then I managed to go away on a walking retreat, and while I was there, I had this epiphany, and that's when it suddenly, if I had that dream, and I saw the cover of the book, and and I saw the title, and I said, "Wow, that is really in your face." Are you sure? And yeah, I got confirmation three days later why it was called, um, you know, why I had the title of the book. And what would happen, and and it's all played out. In fact, more happened in that in that those coming months than I probably had lived in the last you know last three years prior to that. So mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. Time speeds up. Um, it's it's almost like everything just you know magnetically draws towards you, so mm-hmm. that you get all the help you want because it's all sitting there. It's all sitting there waiting for you. It's just that we need to remove that block. And as soon as I removed that block and said, this is what I want, I didn't know how I wanted it, but I realized that actually I must have needed it. Mm. And that's how it all came to me. And my life just changed completely. Was there ever a time where you're thinking, nah, this is too good to be true. Like yeah. this, this, is, this isn't this is real. Yeah. And and there are days, literally this week, even I, I wake up every morning and I think, no this absolutely couldn't have happened like this. How on earth is this happening? Mm-hmm. But when you really put yourself into alignment and you turn up and do the things that I uh, I teach my clients which is uh, developing healthy habits and there are certain habits that you need because they act as uh, as as physical Grounding posts, I guess you can call them. It's it's how we can then build the foundations, and then you develop your intuition. Well, like you know, I teach us, so we we do a lot of that through meditation. But there are other subtle things you can do, and then you add. Um, the developing of faith. And that doesn't mean to say that you have to go out and join some church or or some spiritual organization. As long as you have a faith in something, then that is the glue that brings it all together. And that equals your why or your purpose. So mm. that delivers the 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 desired outcome that you want. And it will always be in the way that is for the greater good and what you need as opposed to what you want. Mm, so it's it's you know if you put all that together then it's yeah it's you end up where you need to be Mm, yeah i find that
1: fascinating because for so many people it feels too far away and actually a lot of people go back to what you said earlier which is are praying for peace they'll change Mm. you know and i guess that that's probably what i'm most curious about under but bearing in mind the experience you've had because let's be honest you talked about it it hasn't just been a one abusive relationship you've had various different challenges over your
0: life journey and career can people change? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I know that I've changed. Um, I think when I was in my early, I, I, especially as a teenager, I was very selfish because I I went out there and I just wanted to take life, and I didn't care about the consequences. I didn't. I hadn't really been taught how to um, to be mindful of other people, um, and 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 though I gave so much when I was younger uh i kind of had that attitude well you know fuck you it's my turn now and that that was how it how it felt mm. um but then you reap the consequences of that because then karma comes back at you because you keep taking and it's going to come back at you and that's not why i attracted um troubling relationships um because there's a need in two people when they come together you have a need in that person so you need to see something in them that's bad behavior in yourself Mm. and vice versa so i guess i just eventually i think i got to the point where i'd lost my daughter um when she was taken from me and i was so desperate to find her that um sorry i still i still can't talk about that um it was it was a shock, and I think that was the that was a bit when 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 life said to me, "Hey, you, you know, you have got to find some way of of changing yourself, and you've got to you've got to give back." Because uh, I was just totally isolated and had taken for too long, and it was time to um, and I I felt in a way that it been she had been taken from me because I had been a bad person, but I hadn't. It was just I just didn't know the rules of how to be around people and I had to learn. And that's, that's where my, I guess my, my journey began. Mm, Yeah. Uh, It's such an inspiring, inspiring story that, you know, you, you have opened up and shared
1: there, Amanda, because so many people, you know, we look back and we go, God, if only I changed earlier, you know, and Mm. you and I've both talked off camera many a time about how sometimes these signs come up and we're like, wow, what's this trying to show me? And often if we don't see the smaller signs, yeah there are bigger signs that that show up and what was going through your mind at that time with your daughter and you know you've now got this you know massive you know new observation new insight but also equally new pain
0: yeah and and looking back I I still recall the moments when I was she was still with me and I was getting some really strong signs but I just didn't recognize them I didn't recognize them because I was out of alignment because I was I was a young mum I'd left my husband um I'd left Wales to come down to London to look after you know my daughter who was only 3 um I was working full time I was I had a mortgage to pay I um my daughter um ha- I had a childminder and I was really I had very little support and because I was working so hard and trying to be a mum and just trying trying um I wasn't, I was on that treadmill, just keep going, keep going, keep going and everything would be all right and I wasn't recognising that the danger signs, the warning signs which were this is going to be serious, you know, she's going to disappear and looking back I do wish I had paid more attention. Mm. They were so incredible, I mean, one I remember one occasion, it was a carnival that was coming through um, in North London where I lived and my, I went to... I took my daughter out and we were going to go to McDonald's and give her something to eat beforehand and then I was going to pick my grandmother up and we were going to go and watch the carnival come through. And she literally ran through McDonald's right up to the counter to this strange man and um, and stood looking at him, grinning at him as if she knew him really well. And he looked at her and he was smiling at her as if he knew her well. And I, I ran up to her and I, I apologised to him. I said, I'm so sorry. But it turns out he did become a friend he was very spiritual and he kept giving me information kept coming around to see us and visit us and um and he kept giving me information and warning us and i just thought oh, that's stupid spiritual crap you know what's he on about he's obviously after something um and i totally ignored it and within a few weeks she'd been taken from me so i i did have some big warning signs but you know how how would i i guess i had no framework to work from. Mm. I could not possibly translate that at that time. Mm. So I made it my mission to understand about the language, the universe, Mm. what the subtle energy messages are and why we need them so, Mm. so badly. Yeah. And
1: I think it's, it's heartbreaking when you have to hear something and experience something so Mm. Mm. life-changing for us to listen, you know, and, and when it came to that experience in your life and your daughter, what, what did you then do, you know, in that moment? She's been taken, this, you know, the signs were there. Like, how did you process that?
0: It was, I was, there was a lot of anger. Um, and I just assumed that people would help me. The police would help me. The solicitor, I went through five different solicitors because of the complexity of, of of what had happened. Not only was I, did I lose her, but I also had a very complex situation with a neighbor who became a stalker. And so because of the danger, and they just changed the um, the Children's Act, um, they put protection on her so that she was automatically protected because I was in a vulnerable situation. And I was just so infuriated um, and I fought. I, I went to solicitors, I did research, I I joined groups, I did everything I could, but nothing took me close. In fact, it just seemed like my ex husband was getting away with murder and i was just not being heard and nobody would listen to me and the only thing i had left i remember getting a pamphlet through the um the door one day or it was a newspaper i can't, can't remember it was a new i just remember seeing this this box and reading the this uh this application that you could fill in which was to get a numerology report and i thought I don't know why, but something is telling me so strongly I've got to to get this. And I remember it being 20 pounds and I had no money. I found the money and this report came through to me eventually. I was waiting anxiously for it for days and it arrived and it told me everything that I didn't want to hear, which was you're basically selfish, you're disconnected from the world, you don't care about anyone but yourself, you're full of your, your own woes and you're vulnerable and you're a victim and all this and that's when I started waking up thinking, hang on a minute, that mm. then I have created this, then I've got to do something about it. And I I just had this intuition, which was, well, if you wrote everything that was really negative about yourself and wrote the complete opposite, then maybe you've got a chance to change it. And I did that. And bizarrely, that's what I went on to to ch- uh, to teach people because that's, I didn't even realize at the time that I was creating my own affirmations. Wow. Yeah. That's the heartbreaking part though, isn't it?
1: Yes, because obviously there's the things that've happened, but it's when we actually let go of the blame, I think, in a lot of places. And I think a lot of people struggle with things that are going on to them. And what we don't realize is we're blaming external. And actually there's always some part, even the smallest amount of responsibility to ourselves. And that's the hardest bit, right, to accept. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I still have to, to, you know, hold myself accountable every now and then when I think, oh, am I doing the right thing here for the greater good or am I just being really selfish here? So I, I guess I've, I've set that precedent for myself. And if something's not going right in my life, I have to say, right, okay, what am I doing wrong here? What do mm-hmm. I need to do? What do I need to address? So I have a, a quick fix, which is, you know, always say to yourself, if something's going wrong, Stop. What's going on for me right now? And what mm-hmm. am I going to do about it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's taking that time to pause because I think a lot of people, the world we live in today, everything's happening a million miles an hour. We can't stay up to date with what's this, that and the other. And, and it's actually taking the time to pause and reflect and go, hold on. Am I on the right track? Am I in tune with myself? You know, like you did, you had that vision and the book and everything came to it. I'm curious now, Amanda, so far on your journey... If you were to look back at the Amanda then and you could speak to her or say something what would you say to her
0: Gosh I well I've done it many times I always say it's going to be okay you know you, one day you're going to you're going to look back on this and realize that this all been worth it because of the work that you do so I I don't regret anything I've I've ever gone through people say oh, I I find that hard to believe especially when they've read the book um but i don't because i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today and i certainly wouldn't have the kids i have today mm. and the friendships and the community so i i i think looking back i would always say it's going to be okay
1: mm yeah and, and like you say it's hard to hear but actually it's, it it's true and when you look back and you can you can obviously speak to yourself back then or, or have those moments so Talk to me now about the journey that you've been on since then now helping other people because, you know, you are now helping lots of people. We'll talk about the book and how you're helping people through that as well. But there's one thing overcoming the challenges yourself and then going, cool, I'm content with myself. I've got these tools. Very different to then share those tools with the world. So what was your thought process and how did everyone else sort of handle that new Amanda?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that happened to me and that was I had – I had meningococcal septicemia and I went into hospital and I, th- I went into hospital a different person than I came out. So that was the old Amanda. The, the, the Amanda that came out had a whole different attitude and I realized going in that um, I had to take ownership with what was going on. I, I understood the physical aspects of why I, I got that because of the complications. My head had taken a lot of trauma as a child. But I think I, I realized that because I had two dependent children at that time, very young, they were only under four. There was something that said to me, You've got to, you, you can't leave those kids. You've got to get out of hospital. And if you survive this, then you make a pact that you are going to help other people. And I did. And, and they still don't know how I managed to overcome what I did. I still have secondary conditions, I've gone through a lot. Um, since 2000, so it's 20 years to this. Yeah, this year, 20 years that I've I've had um, that longevity for because I wasn't supposed to make it, and I've I've overcome every challenge that I've had. So, I guess in a way, it's it's the thing that's my driver. Whenever I get something that that challenges me, then I say that's okay. You know, it's just a thing. This too will pass and uh, and i've said that quite a lot this week <laughs> um but yeah, I think that's where I made the made the shift. In, mm. Yeah, twenty years ago. Wow, that's that's mm. incredible. And you're right. I mean, we're both giggling about you
1: saying it a lot this week. But I've seen it working with you. You know, we've recently published a book, and I've seen it <laughs> on the journey. And you're, I'm like, you come on these calls, and I'm like, how are you smiling? Like, there's <laughs> been quite a few challenges that we're experiencing, and I'm not quite as a cool cucumber as as you are. You know, and I think it's fascinating to see how you how you just like let it roll off your back. You're like, yeah, we got this.
0: Yeah. I, I do you know what? I think the thing is there is a part of me that has my father in me, which because he would take on anything. And I I was fascinated with this entrepreneurial spirit. I thought, well, what is it about entrepreneurs? Because every time he says, I'm going to do something, he'd achieve it, no matter what what challenged him. So I thought, he's got to have something there. The only thing was, obviously, there was a lot of negativity with him. And I thought, well, what if you could do that, and you were positive, and you were a good person? And I think, because of the fact that I've gone through this so, so many times now, and every time I've been challenged, I've seen the result turn out for the greater good. I've realized that actually, if I didn't stress about it and just went, yes, yeah, okay, we've got this, it would be so much easier. So actually, I'm doing myself a favor because I was going through so much needless worry mm. and stress, um, which is aging me. <laughs> um, and that, and that's And everything just turns out Absolutely amazing, I mm. just know that we you know when we do have challenges as a human being, we have asked for them at a certain level because we have the solutions to it, but we struggle as humans because we don't like the drama, we don't like being mm. uncomfortable, and I've learned to get comfortable with the uncomfortable mm, yeah, and that's one thing I've really admired about you since since we started working together and
1: the thing that I find fascinating, Amanda, is you've gone on such a journey of growth internally but also publicly, you know yeah. like when you first went through your own personal experiences of abuse, you know, there's one thing overcoming that and becoming this new version of Amanda, which we're talking about. You've then gone on to use that knowledge to help others. Mm-hmm. That could still be done privately, right? You could still be doing that. No one really know. You've then kind of bridged it even more and expanded it to go, actually, I'm not just going to share my story with my clients. I'm going to write a book about it, Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not going to share too much. We're not going to spoil it. But You didn't hold back (laughs) in in the book, um, which is obviously called Sumi, and it's now available everywhere. Now, I'd love to know your thought process. Like you said, you saw the vision of the book. First of all, tell us a bit about the name, where that came from, and where the, the
0: idea of the book actually came from. So um, when I first started writing the book, the original material, I had gone into hospital. It was in 2010, and I had to have a plate put in my head. So I've got because I've had repercussions with the head, um, and they didn't think I had. I had to, unfortunately they they um, they they made a mistake, and I had to go back down for surgery. So I had to rebreak my my skull again, and I just thought I might not make this this time. What if I don't? My kids have taken on my programs, and they're going to go, Mum, you've left me with this. What do I do about it? So the day that I came round, the second after the second op, I asked someone to bring in a journal, and I said, "I've," and I had this burning need to write, and I wrote it originally for my children. I even went into a, a violent relationship after that and I wrote it in secret because there was something in me that was saying this is the last physically violent relationship that I'm going you know, coming, you know, coming through and so it it was it was coming out I, I was writing it in secret on my Blackberry phone in my breaks while I was a cleaner because I had to to rebuild my life again and uh, eventually I lost some of the chapters and parked it. But I managed to build my life again, move from that relationship and I built two businesses. I built a cleaning business, took on lots of women that I I employed and I uh, bought, I got a shop and I was doing brilliantly, but then I got ill and um, I sadly went bankrupt. And the only thing I had left in this world, I lost my house, I lost car, my businesses. The only thing I had left was this part written book and I had two dependent kids and I thought, well i've been through worse this has got to be it this time and that's how it started the book was just simmering and it's 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 almost come through three times because i had to pull it from the first publishers it got taken by another publisher i had to pull it again and i thought this is this is there's a reason for this there's a timing about this and i didn't realize the i guess the the irony of why it was meant to be this particular year and I knew when I met you that it was it was supposed to be published with you. So is I always feel that everything is just all about when when you're in a right alignment, mm. everything in the world is okay and it's meant to be for, for who it is meant to be for. And the thing is, I'd always had a fear of public speaking. I never wanted. It. I wouldn't even talk in a group of four people. I would never stand up and say, oh, yes, my name's Amanda and this is what I do. So for me to actually start going out publicly, I had to come from a place of authenticity so that I didn't feel that I had to impress or compete or, um, you know, just just try to sell myself. It's It just became very natural because when the voice came to the surface, I realized, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was it. So this year has been particularly um let's say ironic but I can understand it really um it really has made this book so much more powerful because I realize now why this is coming mm. through why I'm supposed to share this story now
1: yeah yeah
0: and it is it, I love it because
1: obviously you see your side of the the story and how you came about to finding me mm. what I've never told you which I've just come back to me now so I'm going to tell you now and it's going to be hilarious but when when you first reached out to me, and I can't remember how we got connected. I think you said someone recommended or whatever. We got on a Zoom. And I've always got Amazon or some sort of book publishing app open if the person's authored a books before, because I like to have a little stalk and have a nosy. <laughs> and I had recently been speaking to people who are like, clo- I was having a bit of a personal drama, a tough time. And a few of my friends and one of my godmothers who sadly passed uh, had always got me into angels. And she said to me, "You ne- the angels will always be there whenever you're struggling. And I, my mum, very practical. My dad, very practical. Me, very practical. It was like, pfft angels what was all this rubbish right and so anyway my friend had said to me through this wobble wobbly period had said chloe you know what your godmother would have said you know what everyone would have said connect with the angels there's nothing else left like logic isn't going to help you you need to connect with the angels and i kid you not i was having such a wobbly day and you got on the zoom and you said you'd written some books before and i searched your name and i think it's two books popped up yeah which are all to do with connecting and talking to the angels. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, Mandy, you're telling me, I can't remember what question I'd asked and what you're answering. And I just was trying not to grin because it was like a <laughs> sign. I was like, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, what are the chances yeah. that we're now going to publish on? Okay, your book yeah. that we've worked on, there's nothing to do with that. Mm. But it was a sign for me to be like, one, this is the right thing for us to work yeah. on. Two, it was exactly what I needed. And, and, and since that, it's just been a completely different side of my personal journey as well. So I find it fascinating how there's always signs there mm. Even if we're like, you know, don't expect them. I didn't expect a sign to pop up on a call about publishing this book. And it's just been a a, a whirlwind, I think for both of us, as yeah. well as as seeing you, seeing you shine through your brand new book. Now, for those people, obviously you've mentioned that this is the third iteration of this book. Mm. Um, new name, new style. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about why this story and why this title.
0: Yeah, so I had this, as I say, I had this epiphany and I woke up in the morning and I could see this book. It was bright yellow with the word sue me on it. And I thought, well, this is really, this is really in your face. Now, I had published this originally with um, a hybrid uh, publisher and they had omitted telling me that um, I needed permissions. So I managed to get my my royalties back, but it was such a big uh, process. And I could have got sued, but at the time it was the right thing to do because it got a lot of attention. We had a lot of film producers looking at it who wanted to uh, write, get, uh, do a screenplay. Um, The the coercive control conference had just come about. They wanted me to get involved and they wanted me to talk about the holistic side of it and everything. And I just, and also I was getting threats as well, which were from people who were saying, "If you publish this, you know, we're going to sue you." So. At the time, I wasn't strong enough. The second time round, Orion took it. They gave me a four book deal. Um, Amanda Harris had read it in four days and said, oh, my God, this is absolutely amazing. Not only is this what I'm looking for, but also we want her to write three more books. You know, we'll publish this. And so I went down a process with them but they wanted to halve the book so it would fit the format for the other three books and amanda said no we can't do that because we we you know we're taking away the integrity of your story this is your pension this is what you're here to serve so you have this back and it'll be you know it'll go through the right people at the right time and when i got this and i saw that that title i thought yeah they want me to write the full thing no changing any names or places because why should i Hide away from the people I've been fearful for from all my life because those people have held me back. And actually, that's the very thing that I'm teaching people, which is don't hide anymore. Allow your voice to come through and say no to bad behavior. This is not happening anymore. Mm. Uh, But I did think, you know, there must be maybe a subtitle because Sumi's, you know, it's just, it doesn't really explain what it's about. And then three days later, it, it dawned on me and I thought, oh my gosh, that's my stepmother's name. And that Absolutely floored me because she has been the voice in my head that has attracted so much deprivation and these cycles of abuse because I was had this internal voice which was saying you'll never be good enough. You know, nobody wants you, Amanda. Everybody hates you. You know, you're just a pain in the neck. You know, go and hide somewhere and die. And that's what always came through for me. Whenever I was making any decisions, I didn't realize how powerful it was. So in a way, it was my, I guess, when I said to myself, I want peace, I wanted peace from that voice. And that's why it's so powerful for me to do this now. Because, hey, you know, you can sue me, but it's all it's going to do is highlight that we are, I'm, I'm speaking my truth. Mm. And what's, what, what punishment is there? What, what, what more punishment can I have? I've already been punished once by you. So do your worst. Which is exactly why I love the name. And when you told me and, you yeah. know,
1: we had many a conversation about like, is this book going to get brought down? Is it going to be allowed to be there? We've had various challenges with that. And, yeah. and it's just one of those things. But I think exactly like you said, the louder you shout, yeah, okay, it might piss people off. Yeah, okay, it might trigger people, but is that not the reason why we got to talk about it? Yeah. Is that not the reason why we have to? That, I mean, the amount of times I interview people on this show and people say stuff, and then people go, you know, is that going to get edited out? And luckily, I'm not a big enough brand, if you will, for it mm. to get cancelled. But I think there are sometimes challenges where we do just need to be raw and real yeah. and share the real shit because yeah. actually that's what people need to hear.
0: Yeah. I think this is the thing I think because everything is kind of spoon fed to us in a certain way or it's it's always edited to a certain degree. We don't really know what real life is about, mm. especially now because of technology and social media and and the way we can just find anything on the Internet. You know, when we grew up or when I grew up, I mean, I'm much mm. older than you, but, um, you know, all I had was outdoors and books. And that was it. I had no toys, and so everything was real. You know that story was real to me. Those animals were real. That that nature was real, and so that's why much of my life is embedded in reality because it's, you, you it, it creates a, a feeling of alignment. And when you've got that alignment, then you can create so much more. And mm-hmm. that's where peace and happiness and joy and truth and all the stuff that that comes from being. Uh, You know, living the life you deserve comes from. So it, it's, you know, I think we we need to strip a lot of this stuff back and say, hey, come on, truth, you know, truth must come first now. Mm, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so inspired to work with you, Amanda, and, and to see how far you've come, even just on the
1: journey of writing the book and, and sharing and also the personal challenges that you've had on the way. I think it, you're a true inspiration to so many women and men and anyone who's mm. struggling in and who feels stuck in that abusive cycle. Yeah. yeah. So, Amanda. It's been amazing having you here. I could feel like I could talk to you forever and we'd definitely (laughs) have to have you back for more. Um, I've got a question for you, which we ask all our guests on the show. We've been inspired by you today and it's been so fascinating to hear your story. And we've intentionally left a few bits out so people can have a listen and have a watch and read in the book. But who do you know that has an inspiring story that you think we should have on the show next?
0: So... The person that I feel that really inspired me was was uh, is a lady called Cat Biles, and she has. Um, I met her. It was one of those really synchronistic moments. She was called in as a, a, a last minute guest speaker. I happened to be going to this place, thinking, "Oh gosh, you know what on earth have I signed up for?" It's one of those moments, and this room was filled with people who weren't my people, and but suddenly I spotted her. And then she turned out to be one of the speakers and the next day I contacted her and I worked with her for five years and she was the, I guess you could say she was the inspiration that I needed to help myself break through my own limiting beliefs, which helped me to actually publish the book the first time round uh so she's she's very heart centered and she she uh, all her work is is um infused with the heart uh in her in her approach and so a lot of people do go to to work with her um you know they go and do retreats with her and uh, but i did a course an online course with her and um yeah she's she's just, just recently uh, published her own book as well but she now lives in antigua and she just lives the life that she's always dreamt of and i think that's the thing what inspires me is that she has that piece. She's got it all. She's got the the life that she's always wanted, um, and she can still show up and and help people inspire them to to in, infuse this heart centeredness into mm-hmm. their business. So I think yeah, cat Biles. Oh wow, thank you so much, Amanda, and thank you for being so open and raw and real.
1: You are you've literally lived and breathed everything this show is about. So thank you so much for coming here and being so honest thank and inspiring you. many of us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now guys, wow. What an interview. Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening to Amanda's inspiring story. Now, if you are listening on the audio apps, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify, or you're watching on YouTube, make sure you've subscribed to this show so that you don't miss our next inspiring guests. And if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't already, make sure you share in the comments what part of Amanda's story has inspired you the most. What part are you going to take away and implement in your life today? Now, that's all we've got time for today. So I will see you next week for more inspiring episodes mm